This is the Athletic Hockey Show. We welcome you to the Wednesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Ian Mendes is Julian McKenzie, and no, we're not wearing matching outfits like we did on Tuesday. I've dressed it up a little bit for the viewers. They can see I've gone into a dress shirt. We got a jam-packed hour, though, coming up here. Julian, a couple of guests going to drop by. Sean McIndoo, down goes Brown. We're going to talk about his contrarian uh, segment or series that he's launched. Jesse Granger going to pop by. We're going to recap some of the games last uh, uh, night that happened on Tuesday. We'll set up Wednesday, some of the other games this week that we're looking forward to. Uh, some interesting draft stuff being floated out there. We got a lot. The midweek, I always think like, I think to myself, Julian, Monday is the day where we're going to have the most stuff to sink our teeth into. But here we are, middle of the week, and it feels like we got a packed show. Yeah, I, I love the fact that now that we get to do more days, there are so many other storylines that we can talk to. The, the tough part about doing the Monday show, even though we get so much, is that whatever stuff happens after we record, it's like, oh, we can't touch on that anymore like we like it, like i remember when we were doing like the carter for hagee stuff we have to wait a whole week before yeah. we have to bring shana coleman on to, to kind of ignite that again but to have like like the pierre lutubar return as a topic uh for for today's show as an example of the nhl draft stuff which we'll get to later like i i, I really like that and i really enjoy it i hope people who are watching us live or or listening to us after the fact as a podcast uh, they appreciate that too pierre luc dubois i mean he couldn't have scripted a better return right Team wins, he scores, and some empty seats too at mm. uh, at the arena in Winnipeg. And anyway, but but that was that was Pierre Luc Dubois. That was a perfectly scripted return for him on Tuesday. I I think so. I, I I caught the goal. I was watching some of the highlights before we got going here, and you know, good goal for him right in front of the net. Just an opportunity for him to kind of let it, you know, you know. Let him gloat in front of the fans a little bit. And he knew that booze were coming. Uh, such a really interesting situation with, with Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and, and how he leaves Columbus and he goes to Winnipeg for a bit and he still gets his wish at the end going to Los Angeles. I, I recommend everyone read uh, Murata Tesh's column on, on Pierre-Luc Dubois where he, he caught up with him and he spoke to him about why he, he ultimately did the decision that he did. Uh, yeah, it couldn't have gone any better for, for Dubois, but I'm still surprised about those empty seats uh, about 4,000 not at the uh, at the arena in Winnipeg and it, it seems like it's been an issue from the start of the year and I remember talking about it on 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 the Chris Johnston show with CJ uh, our new teammate here at the athletic about the the new contracts with Mark Shifley and, and Connor Hallibuck and CJ made a really good point in that not only are are like when you consider the fact that the Jets are trying to compete there is a part of this that has to acknowledge the fact that they want fans in the seats. And if they do rebuild, that has to be a concern. But the fact that the team has essentially said that they're in on trying to be competitive, but there's still like a lack of fans at these games. That's a bit of a, that's a worry for me. This is a market that, that with, with so many passionate fans that have wanted this team in that market and they get it back after all these years away. And in the present day, the fans are, are some fans are not showing up. I mean, we're not looking at, you know, 8,000 fans or 9,000 fans. They're still in, in the tens. But 
I, 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 that's a yellow, that's a, that's a flag for me. I don't know if that's a straight up red flag, but I, I definitely have questions about why fans aren't responding. Is it because the, is it ticket prices? Is it because the, they don't feel the team is as competitive as, as they should be? Is this, is, is this something else? Like I, I, I have questions and I wish we would have been able to ask that to Kevin Day off well, earlier this week. No, no, no. Let me ask you this. Are we worried that we have a, a, Athletic Hockey Show podcast jinx. People have heard of the Sports Illustrated jinx, the cover jinx. Maybe you don't want to appear with Mendez and McKenzie. Oh, no. Uh, Kevin Cheveldayoff shows up with us on Monday, no. and then the next day his team loses at home with thousands of empty seats. So that's – I guess the Panthers – Bill, what happens here with the – do we take ownership with Bill Zito? Because that was a, that was a Mike Russo no. conversation. No, yeah, let's not do this. Let's let let's not let's not start this. Let's not get to that point where we're starting right, to create for ourselves, right? We uh, gotta be mindful got, of these things, all I'm saying. I also, if you want to that being said, this is not gonna help our case at all. Not only does Kevin Chivel Dayoff uh lose to the LA Kings, but Gabe Velarde <laughs> is out yeah. four to six weeks it, with a spring. He's up for a month, right? Yeah. He's out for for a month, maybe even a little more. Please let's not let's not get this going here because all of a sudden if we start realizing it's just us two talking to each other for the for the remainder of the season, it's gonna get really lonely on the podcast. And, but maybe that's the curse that we have to endure is that we have to spend time with each other and we're both cursed. Oh no, I, no, have to, no. I have to spend that's time with Ian Mendez. That's the curse. Crap. That's the curse. Um I I I do want to bring up something that we chatted about on the, at the end of Tuesday's pod. Mm-hmm. And I brought up to you the idea, and we're going to talk to Down Goes Brown, Sean McIndoe, about this when he joins us in a couple of minutes, because he has a kid, he's a diehard Leafs fan, and I threw this out. I said, what would you do, Julian, if you were a Habs fan, your your child got drafted by the Boston Bruins and played for the Bruins? Who do you cheer for, the Bruins or the Habs? Uh, we do have some listener feedback here. I'll read a couple. One comes in. Ian is 100% correct. Your allegiance is to your kid and that supersedes any team allegiance. And then I like this one. Speaking of 100%, this comment comes in. 100% absolute nonsense take from JM there. Okay, that's fine. I had to double check that they didn't say I am. It says JM. That's fair. I I had a few people reach out to me personally. Okay. I have a few people reached out to me personally. I'll read out some of the feedback here. Uh, one friend of mine said, uh, "I'd root for both, and when they play each other, yay! Everyone I just wins. hope I just hope everyone has a good time." Marge Simpson vibes. Uh, let me see if I could find another really good one uh, from another good friend of mine. My child would be smashing that trade request button so fast. <laughs> I think it's a split, like. By the way, I hope people realize, never did I say I wouldn't root for my kid. I would still root for my kid. I just wouldn't root for my kid's team. I have no problem rooting for my kid. I think you'd change your tune once you got to know his teammates. Once you got to know know them all. What was wrong with that? If I get to know his teammates, I get to know his players. I don't have to root for the team. I can root for players. It's independent of me rooting for the damn team. I could meet wow. his teammates and be like, you know what? You're a good player. You're a good dude. I wish you nothing but the best in life. Do I need to wear a jersey of the Bruins or the Oilers or any other rival franchise? Hell no. Why do I need to full-on root for the team when I just need to root for my kid? 
I don't understand that. And for people saying it's a for the dude who said it's a hundred percent nonsense take, well, I think your response is a one hundred percent nonsense take. You know what I'm saying? It's nonsense. Yeah. Why do why do I why do I have to bend for my allegiances here? I want to root for my kid. I can root for my kid. I don't need to I go all in and root for their team. Let me root for my kid. You can't tell me how to root for my kid. If I had a kid. If I <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> don't you tell me how to parent. Don't you if tell I was parent. a parent. Don't you do that? Um so we'll we'll talk to Sean McAdoo about that. Down goes Brown. Elliot Friedman with an interesting uh uh tweet. Or I don't know, we don't call them tweets anymore. What do we call them? Posts? Whatever. I'm I still next. call them tweets, honestly. Whatever, Maybe tweets. they're posts, but like Twitter, tweet, like I mean, depending on, on what happens, if they if they actually get us to start paying to use it, we might not even use Twitter anymore. Oh no, I'm depending on i you'll see me on well, I'm already on Blue Sky. You're on Blue Sky. Yeah, me too. Um uh the Elliot Friedman though. Uh, reporting earlier today, the NHL has officially notified teams it would like to hear opinions on decentralization of the draft. That would mean having clubs stay at home while the prospects attend the actual draft a la NFL, NBA. If there is a desire for change, most likely that would happen in 2025. Outside chance for 2024. I'll tell you why it's not going to happen in 2024. And it's not due to logistics and it's not due to not enough time. The draft is in Vegas. Thank you. What what team is going to say, you know, I kind of feel like we could do this from home and it would be, no, get out of here. You're going to Vegas. You know it and I know it. <laughs> uh, but, but, but what do you think of the idea that Elliot Friedman said, look, the league is now going to start canvassing opinions, which, wow, by the way, is this the first time the NHL has canvassed for outside opinions this year? Because it sure feels <laughs> like it. Um, uh, but they're asking for opinions. Well done. That's yeah. good. That's a really uh, good one. Well done. They're that's asking the for opinions. Day. There we go. Yes. Yeah. You haven't been awake long enough if that's the funniest thing you've heard. No. Um, <laughs> what do we think? Uh, the draft would be essentially the, 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 the players are there, the athletes are there, but the teams are not. I think it's, I, I would need to see exactly what the NHL has in mind. Just the fact that the team's wouldn't be there is a big question mark for me. And as a media member, I wonder if outlets start looking at that and saying, well, if the, the GMs and people you'd want to talk to for sources are not going to go there, what's the point? That's like an immediate fear to think of. But I'm also wondering about the television aspect of this. Do they want it to look like the NBA draft where you have the players with their families uh, on the floor and then they get up on stage and they get their jerseys and their hats and whatnot or do you want it to be like the nfl where you have the players in the back room in the green room and then you have all these fans on the floor uh presumably in the nhl where the gms would have been like I, i'm just curious about why they would want to go that way i don't I, I can't imagine it's like any cost saving measure or anything like that it's just maybe to have a similar presentation to what we see from some of the other big four leagues on TV, that would be my guess, but I, I don't know if I like that idea. I, I I like the idea of them still being around. I, I also love uh, an idea that Arpin Basu posted on Twitter today, in which you make it, you expand it, and have the NHL draft as its own thing, and then you keep the setup for free agency in a couple days. So all the GMs get to still hang around the arena 
in their designated stations and you see them working the phones, calling free agents. And you're, if you're already there, you might as well just kind of hang around. I mean, you might have a little less to do. Well, that again, that might depend on how the signings fly, but like that could also be a fun television event. If you expand it that way, I, I really liked Arpin's idea. You know what? I, and I, I like Arpin's idea because it's outside the box. Yes. But I think if you're trying to lure free agents, you don't want to be on the phone in like 10 feet. Like, let's say, uh, you know, you're Don Sweeney in Boston and you're trying to lure a free agent and you look over, there's Cal Dubas just listening to you. You're like, hey, man, little space. That'd be nice. You know where I would like to see the GMs all together, though, Julian? Trade deadline. Here's I've always thought Ooh. this is what they should do. Hold a GM meeting. Let's say the trade deadline is March the 8th or whatever. GM meetings on the 6th or 7th, then uh, made-for-TV extravaganza. All the team's situation rooms are all kind of in proximity. And you want to talk about great theater? There goes Cal Dubas. He's getting up off his table. He's going to speak to Lou Lamorello. What are they talking about, right? Well, they're talking about how it all fell apart in Toronto, but maybe they're talking about a trade, right? Like, I like, like that idea a lot. I think I'd rather see the GMs under one roof for the trade deadline than free agency day. Does that make sense? I think that makes a lot of sense. We already make a big deal about seeing GMs talk to each other, talk to each other on the draft floor. Imagine on trade deadline day when instead of and that's no shade to Sportsnet and TSN, instead of having your your check-ins every so often with your your which I guess you could still do your check-ins with your your correspondence in each city you're just having a live look at situation rooms and you're seeing like one GM leave his room and go down the hallway to another room and you're like whoa, 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 whoa. that's 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 Don Waddell's music what's going on here like what trade is gonna happen like I I, I think that'd be pretty cool uh yeah I, I like the trade deadline idea that's really cool Let's bring in our, our pal Sean McIndoe. Down goes Brown. Bring him into the conversation. But actually, what we're gonna we're gonna throw something at you here, Sean. Oh, oh boy, man, we got a lot of stuff oh, to boy. throw at you, man. Okay. okay. Uh, we all know you're very uh, uh, transparent about this. You have been a diehard Toronto Maple Leafs fan your entire life, for better or for worse. That's your team. Now you also have a son who's uh, a teenager now, right? And he is. Yeah. So here is the. I'm going to throw a scenario at you and you're going to tell me how this is going to play out. Let's go. Let's fast forward five, four or five years from now. Your son is 18. He's an elite NHL prospect. Wow. Sean, Sean right. McAdoo. Yeah. I don't know what's happened in these five That's years. That's pretty cool considering he doesn't play at all right now. I know. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a remarkable it's story. Yeah. And your son is drafted by the Montreal Canadiens in the first round. Mm -hmm. What? happens to your allegiances and how do you cheer nothing i've i mean because uh i've still got a daughter that i would love and respect so it's it's fine um, it's no it's but you no root issue. for your kid but you root yeah. for your kid right i would i would root for my kid thank you um to demand a trade yeah absolutely i <laughs> make sure that that's that was... the second time we got that that's the second time we got that <laughs> response yes you see okay. that? Why no, do you no. need to bend backwards I, okay, on but, your allegiances? Man, just because you thought, you you thought Carl and Bonnie Lindros were on. tough. Wait until you see Papa DGB in there yeah. walking on. around that Montreal dressing room and just, uh, you know, yeah, it'd be, it'd, it would be, uh, 
It would be fun. What's his signing bonus? I should probably start there because you know what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, Everything's he's negotiable. Fan. Why do I feel like there's going to oh, be a, a line of Papa DGB gear coming out soon? Yeah. You know, we hoodies, could. mugs, Papa DGB. Trademark yeah. it right now before someone else does. Yeah. It all. It all. Okay. But let's say it's game 82 and the winner goes to the playoffs. The Maple Leafs are playing and yours and Doug. Your son is playing for the Haps. So it sounds to me like I've got a chance to make my son happy and save myself a lot of misery. Like, what's what's the problem here? This is yeah. this is going to be great. Yeah. So I get, there you go. Cheer I get for the Haps. My son is happy. Seems like DGD and I get along just fine. Miserable for two straight weeks like I normally would be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Should be fine. There we go. <laughs> I love it. This, um, did not go, this did not go exactly the way Ian wanted it to go. I thought Ian thought he was going to be on his own. What do you mean? He just said he was he would cheer for the know. Habs. He just no, said I he would know, cheer man. for the Habs in game two. I don't two. know, man. I don't I think know, so. man. Look, look, look. DGB, I don't know. Just hey. You could still root for your kid. You could still, still root, root for your kid. kid. Ian, I still got the 49ers. So, I mean, I got, uh, you know, I got somebody to be happy about. Yeah, not, but he's not, but he doesn't, he's not going all in. He doesn't have to switch his allegiance fully. He doesn't have to do that. Okay. And that's my point. Then there's your point. Yep. Okay. Um, some would argue that uh, that's a contrarian viewpoint. And that takes us to the new column launched today. Right. Down goes Brown. Um, you're always known as the guy that is not the contrarian. So this is really weird uh, for you to, this is off brand for you to be going down this path of yep. uh, going against the grain. Um, Where'd you come up with this idea? Because it's a it's a super fun idea. I think li- the readers seem to like it. I loved it. Where'd you come mm-hmm. up with this idea? I you know I don't remember exactly where it popped in my head, but it was probably. I mean, you you guys are the the radio guys, so you know the drill, right? Where uh, uh, if you want to make it anywhere, and certainly if I if I ever want to get on TV, uh, especially down in the states, I got to know how to argue things that I don't actually believe, but they're controversial, right? So I've kind of figured this would be a great chance for me to kind of exercise those contrarian muscles. And so I put a call out to the readers and I said, give me a statement that you believe to be true about the NHL, about hockey, um, that you, that you not only think is true, but that you think is uncontroversial and maybe even inarguable. And I will argue, I will, you know, I'll, I'll work out my contrarian, uh, uh, you know, muscles and try to put an argument out there in the world that makes sense, um, against whatever obvious thing. Uh, that, that you've given me. And needless to say, my readers responded, uh, I would say most of them, the majority, uh, by just trying to, to uh, wage psychological warfare on me and pick things that they knew uh, I would absolutely hate to either hate to argue against or that, you know, I couldn't possibly form a coherent argument. Um, and uh, and I picked a few of them and I took my best swing. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm guessing some maybe. uh Maybe uh, more convincing than others, but I I did my best. I, I I have to say when I read that article and the first thing I see is Mark Messier wearing the Vancouver Canucks jersey and you having to argue about why it was a good thing that he was in Vancouver and, and he ultimately brought them all those great players. Like I I I I, I love joking about the fact that Mark Messier was uh, was not ideal for the Vancouver Canucks. There was a good five minutes. I sat with myself and I thought, "How did DGP do this? Like he convinced me that he was he was brilliant." The Canucks should be thanking him. Two two things here. First of all, no word of a lie. I put the call out to to the readers over the weekend. That was the very first one that I got. 
very first thing that pops into my mailbox is make the case that Mark Messier uh, was actually good for the Vancouver Canucks. And I, I really consider just going like, you know what? There's still time. I can delete the tweet. I can just, you know, bad idea, walk away from it right now. Um, and I, I got to be honest, though, I, as I was making the argument, I got about halfway through it and I started going like, I'm making some sense here. Like, this is actually, you know, th- there there are a few in there. You know, I won't, I won't give it away. But I, I think I've already had somebody tell me today that there are a couple in there where you can tell my heart's not really in it. You can tell that I may be, you know, it, it's it's not too hard to peek behind the curtain and, and realize Sean doesn't really seem to to mean what he's saying here. But when it came to, to this one, um, started off having some fun with it. And like I got about halfway in and I started like working through the trade trees and that kind of thing. And I was like, I think I'm making a good point here. I think actually um, I might be onto something. And then, uh, you know, Canuck fans have read it. And I'm assuming they think I'm onto something too, because there's like a few hundred of them outside of my house right now, and they're all uh, inviting me to come outside and <laughs> hang out with yeah. them. So it's you know, step outside. Yeah, yeah. We wanted. Do have any of those torches out there? You know, to keep. Yeah, warm. they I do. Don't I don't know why. I mean, it's, we haven't had any power failures or anything, but this it's probably maybe we're doing a barbecue. Would be my guess. Yeah, um, I wonder, like, like how tough would it be if somebody submits to you something like, uh, you know, Gary Bettman. His tenure as commissioner was, you know, it's. I know where you come down on this. How tough would it be for you to have to argue? I guess that Bettman's tenure was like overwhelmingly positive. Like, like if somebody writes in and well, says, "Hey, Gary Bettman, terrible commissioner." Now you have to do the opposite. Yeah, and see, I mean, that one would be especially tough because I've I've written the exact yeah. opposite. So I mean, yeah. that was one of those a, a couple years ago when it was what his thirty. It was his thirty year anniversary. This was earlier this yeah. year, actually. Yeah, and there were a lot of people out there who were writing the, you know what, maybe Gary Bettman gets a bad rap. Maybe we should give him more credit. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to write the piece that that puts that to bed and says, like, hey, everybody, you know, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit on on that. Um, could I flip it around and argue the exact opposite, like a total hypocrite? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a sports writer. Of course I could do that. Um, you know, people would, uh, people would, I'm sure find the old piece and be like, Hey, wait a second. But I guess my argument, if I had to make a pro Bettman argument, the sleight of hand that you have to do is you have to compare Gary Bettman to what came before. So you're comparing him to Gil Stein and John Ziegler, uh, primarily, by those comparisons, comes across pretty well. I mean, the the, the NHL back in those days was, I mean, it, it was, you think it's a poorly run league now. The stuff that went on back then, uh, and and especially if you're younger, if you're a newer fan, um, so I tell you, somebody should write a book about this stuff because it's, it's, yeah. it's wild, uh, the kind of stories that went on. So I think you could make a good case that, hey, compared to those guys, Gary Bentman's done a fantastic job. Um, and, and then you just kind of leave it at there and you hope that nobody asks the question that I asked in my piece earlier this year, which is, okay, but what about compared to what could have been and what every other league has been doing for the last 30 years and, and all of the missed opportunities, I would just skip by that part, skip by the weak part of the argument. And I just say, Hey, he was better than Gil Stein. So what do you want? Could I put you on the spot and, and suggest another topic you could be? Why not? You've already had me renounce my children. Why? Uh, how much tougher can this be? Okay, so I I, I saw the prompt uh, to send an email in, so I sent it in as an email. So you can write it in for another column if you want. Okay, great. Uh, but I would love for you to argue against uh, the age limit uh, for the Calder Trophy. It's a great idea, I okay. think, to have it at the age of twenty six. 
you know, you don't have any of these random. Yeah, yeah anyway, you argue it. Like, I, I, I think, I think that's a good idea. What do you, what do you, okay. what say you, Contrarian? Yeah. So you're, you're looking at you. You want me to like to to be on the side of like the Sergey Makarov, like the thirty year old who comes in and gets the uh, the the rookie of the year. Hey, I might just say, look, it's it's about being a rookie. If you're if you're one of the, I mean, Julian. And here I go. Yes. You can see you can you can feel the engine starting to rev up in the contrary. I see it. I Is see, there I see the, any the light bulb went off. Better story in sports than when some kid who gets drafted late or maybe doesn't even get drafted at all and has to sweat and bleed and claw their way up the ranks from the low minors to even get a shot at the minor leagues, maybe in the HL. They're in the HL for years and years and years, and then they finally get to make their NHL debut. I mean, it happens every few years. Where you'll see somebody, you know, they they're thirty and they're making their NHL debut. They're thirty three and they're finally there, and the family's all there. You're telling me if that guy puts together a miracle season, scores seventy six goals, and ties Timu Solani and all of that, you're going to deprive them of their Calder Trophy that they have earned as the best after all that work. You're going to deprive them based on an age limit. I mean, that's ageist. Julian, I mean, that's, I mean, this is, this is just, uh, I, I, I thought you were, I thought you were better than this, to be honest with you, that you would deny somebody that has worked so hard just because of a number. I mean, it's, it's disappointing to me. So, so if Matt Tompkins, uh, who just made his NHL debut for the Tampa Bay Lightning over the weekend, 29 years old, spent four years at Ohio State, bounced around the ECHL, the AHL, played in Sweden for two years, and then gets to make the debut for the Lightning. So you're right. telling me if he finds a way at the age of 29 to have a stellar season, he should get the Calder Trophy at 29 me, years old. You want, you know, Connor Bedard, who has been a superstar since he was six years old, who's never played against anybody who was better than, than him in his entire life. You're going to give him that award over somebody who had to fight and claw at the age of 29 to get up there. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, 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 I really don't know what to tell you. I think, uh, I think absolutely, um, we should be giving these awards uh, to these hardworking young gish men uh, who are uh, who are winning them. And uh, yeah, I mean, maybe the next Tib Thomas comes around at 36 or whatever he was, breaks into the league finally, and uh, and you're all set. And, you know, maybe it's maybe it's Matt V. Mitchkov comes over 10 years from now when he's 32 and uh, is already the yeah. best player in the world. I mean, that could happen, too. But I, I like my my version a little better. Again, key to being a contrarian, you got to hit the points that help you and you just got to skip over the ones that maybe don't. OK, Flyers fans are now freaking out about that scenario, by the way, just so you know. I said he was the Mitch best Cop player in the world. I mean, the rebuild will still be going on, guys. It's going to be fine. It's going to be OK. 32 year old uh, Mitchkov. Um Last week when we chatted, we 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 kind of teed up your uh, predictions or your your season predictions piece, and you told us you said there's one team that didn't fit in anywhere, didn't finish yeah. with a lot of you know the the top whatever it was top ten or finishing yes. in the top yeah uh, finishing in the middle, finish at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julian and I made guesses. We were both wrong. It's the Boston Bruins, right? Yeah. That was. The team? Boston Bruins. Nobody, yeah. nobody picked them. Uh, I mean, nobody picked them to finish in the bottom and, and miss the playoffs. Nobody was willing to say that. But virtually nobody was willing to pick them to make the playoffs. And and virtually nobody was willing to pick them to be in the middle, which is means that's the equivalent of the big shrug emoji where the, the entire 2,000-plus uh, people entering the contest 
I think it was only a hundred and something mentioned Boston in any of those three categories, which cover the whole league with overlap. Uh, so you'd expect all the teams to show up, but nobody wants any part of the Boston Bruins. That's the the one team. And it makes sense, right? Because 135 points. I mean, they're not missing the play. This is a great team. They could be 30 points worse and still easily finish in the top 10. But now yeah, they look at all the guys they lost and they didn't really get anyone back. Hey, man, it was uh, uh, it's uh, it. They confused me. They were on my list of teams I can't figure out. And I got some backup from the Raiders because they had no idea. Either. OK, as we uh, let you bounce here, uh, what do you got? We, the, uh, the the contrarian stuff, of course, is the new column. Great idea, but do you have anything else coming up for the weekend that you want to plug? Yeah, I, I'm going to have uh, something on Friday. I'm not sure. I may, we might be playing a, one of those roster games, or uh, we'll see. We might uh, kick that down the road, but I'll, I'll also plug the weekend rankings are back. Uh, that's okay. the, the Monday morning right. power rankings that I do, um, and they're uh, uh, come at it from a little bit of a different angle than the, the Friday one, so it's uh, you know it's kind of start your weekend with the Friday rankings that Sean and Dom do, and then end your weekend, start your work week by, you know, coming in, get a cup of coffee. Don't do any work. Don't do that. Um, instead, you know, read, read my piece and then go into the comment section and tell me that your team is actually better because they beat some team six days ago. Can't wait. Yeah, Can't wait for it. All right. We can't wait to, uh, to see that and get you again on the pod, uh, next week. Uh, thanks as always for dropping by. Right on. Thanks guys. There goes our guy down goes Brown. And, uh, I guess you were right, Julian. He did. He did seem in in the discussion between uh, where you cheer for you, your your team, or your kid. It did feel like he sided a little bit more with you. Although with his level of kind of snark, it's hard to tell. I don't know that he really yeah. gave us an answer. It was just everything was coded in humor. He just tried to find a way to to bounce around out of oh, that and and just yeah. try. It seemed like he's going to be even cool guy no matter what happens with this kid but i loved his answer about smashing the about about getting the trade request i love yeah. that answer and i'm not and I'm, I, I know he's not the only one who feels that way don't you wish every in the nhl um that if you wanted to that there was actually like a button you had to press in the locker room like physical button like a trade request oh man you and it alerts the whole pressed. building oh. oh my god could you imagine like Imagine if, if Pierre-Luc Dubois, just that day, that day, he knew he wanted to leave Winnipeg, just smashing that button. That button, someone that would, thing would just go would, As soon as he walked into a room, it didn't matter oh. if he, it would just go off on its own. They're like, oh, what PLD is close by. He's, he's looking to get out. Uh, let's bring in, boy, this guy, this guy, the team that he covers, nothing ever goes wrong. Except everyone will be like, oh, they missed the playoffs that one year. That's Jesse Granger, and the defending Stanley Cup champions are off to a 4-0 start. Tell the listeners, Jesse Granger, when's the last time a defending Stanley Cup champion had a start like this? Yeah, I mean, like, we all know the Stanley Cup hangover is a thing, but I was shocked at how, like, the, the, so the Golden Knights won their first three games, so they're going into the Dallas game, and I'm like, you know what, before this game, I should I should look and see when the last time a Stanley Cup champion went 4-0 to start a season, and it was surprisingly like I had to go way back. I had to dig all the way back to uh, 1998, the Detroit Red Wings. Um, after they won their first of two cups, they then won their first four of the next season and went on to win the Stanley Cup. So um, I guess if you're rooting for the Golden Knights, that's a good omen. Um, now they're trying to win their fifth straight. They go to Winnipeg tomorrow. Um, they play the Jets in Winnipeg. They're going to be facing Laurent Brassois, who 
obviously helped carry them through the first round and a half of the playoffs. So that's going to be fun. And if they're able to win that one, they'll be the first team to go 5-0 and after winning the Stanley Cup since the 1986-87 uh, or 85-86, one of those two. Wayne Gretzky's Oilers. Um, it's been a while. And like... Not only has it been this long since the teams won four in a row, I was shocked at how many teams lost out of the gate, like had no wins in a row or okay. or, or lost multiple games. Um, the, the Stanley Cup hangover is real. Like I, I didn't realize that it was uh, as drastic as it was until I started digging into those stats. And yeah, the teams struggled. I mean, Colorado, you saw them last year. Obviously, they were banged up, but they 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 went they lost five of their first nine games to start last season. Um, so yeah, this, this start for the Golden Knights, I think you can look at it and say, well, they beat the Kraken who are 0-3 and one to start the season. Um, Anaheim and San Jose who aren't projected to be any good. Um, but last night's game against Dallas felt better. Um, that, that felt like a real game. Um, Bruce Cassidy even said it felt like the playoffs. It felt like some of the animosity from the Western Conference Finals had carried over into that series. So there was a lot of hitting in that game. Um, I thought that last night's game really was a good test of where this team is. And um, they struggled at times. They trailed for the first time this season, but they ended up coming back and winning in a shootout. Um, Vegas is just, they're doing what they did all in the playoffs. And that's just play really structured defense. Don't let teams into the slot and make it really hard to play against them. So Vegas has the 4-0 start. Let me just list off their next four games here. Yeah. So they have the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow. They play uh, Chicago on Saturday, which I believe will be Connor Bedard's first game at home on October 21st. Then the Tuesday after that, they have the Flyers. Then they host Chicago. Uh, maybe I'm putting this jinx to the test here, Ian. I don't think we have a show right. jinx. I'm just going to call it here. I think the Golden Knights can go 8-0 and to start the season with these next few games they have on their plate. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think over the next few games with the Ooh. opponents that they have and the way that they've been playing, there's a very good chance they could improve on that great start. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, they they have a very soft schedule to, to open the season and, and they're playing well. They have been banged up. And that's like the surprising thing is they, they've been without their top defensive pair for most of these games. Alex Alec Martinez has not played. Um, he got injured in preseason and he hasn't played. And and his partner, Alex Petrangelo, who's their number one defenseman, he's the anchor back there. He got injured, a shot hit him up high in the head. So he's missed the last couple of games. Um, Zach Whitecloud got injured in the preseason and hasn't played. So they're missing half of their blue line. Um, but the guys that have stepped in have filled in really well. Braden Pahal, Ben Hutton, Caden Korzak, some young kids that are that are getting their first taste. They Pahal and Korzak have both scored their first goals of their NHL career in these first few games. So um, they've got a lot of depth there. But yeah, they, I mean, this team's stacked. They have a, a softer schedule to open the season, and they're taking care of business. You are the Athletics. What do we call you? The resident goalie guru. What we I, I like goalies. Goalie <laughs> I, guru. I just, yeah, goalie I like expert. A lot of G's let's, let's ask our listeners. Ranger, Can our listeners guru. come up? Maybe, yeah, our listeners. We need something better than goalie guru, though. Like, ask our listeners. Come up with a title for Jesse Granger as, like, you know, something with, like, net or crease. You know, net I'm, detective I'm, would be good. I'm, I'm hoping there's more creative than I am. Yeah, they, they will be. The listeners are amazing. Um, let's bounce around, though, and talk about some goaltending around the league. Guy that you covered for a long time. Marc-Andre Fleury. What a great story. And, and Julian has seen the love in person uh, between the Habs fans and, and Marc-Andre Fleury on display again at the Bell Center. That windmill save was something else from, from Flower. But, uh, boy, this this guy just, just keeps going, doesn't he? 
Jesse. He does. And it's amazing because with his style being as athletic and acrobatic as he is, like he's not the most positionally sound goalie. He skates incredibly well. So that makes up for like, you can get yourself out of position. If you skate well enough, you can get back into position. And, but, but the point being, you would think a guy that plays like that, that's so wild and so aggressive and, and plays on the top of his paint, um, and, and uses that athleticism to make saves, you'd think he would not age gracefully, right? Like that's the type of goalie that you say, well, man, once he hits the mid thirties, yep. he's going to be in trouble, but he's in incredible shape. Um, you ask any teammate that's ever played with him, they rave about how, how good a shape this guy's in. He, he, he is unbelievable for the age he's at to not just be playing well, but to be playing well with the same style he used in his early twenties and his mid twenties, like this guy, he hasn't changed one bit. And he's still out there flopping around. He likes to put a little extra flair on those windmill saves. No goalie in, I don't know NHL history, but since I've been old enough to watch hockey, no goalie likes to put a little bit of extra sauce on that windmill glove save more than, than Marc-Andre Fleury does. It's a lot of fun to watch. So, so when you see him at the level that he's at, uh, and, and people have been wondering if this really is going to be the end for, for Marc-Andre Fleury, do you do you think this year might actually be the last year? Like I know the fans in Montreal were trying to at least show the respect because we don't know. But how surprised would you be if Mark Andre Fleury said, "No, nah, I'm coming back next year. I'll be with some other team, but I'm going to make it work." Where do you stand on on how, where, how long his career will last? Yeah, that's such a tough thing to answer because I think if it just came down to the hockey, I think Fleury would play hockey for as long as he can. Right? Like the guy loves yeah. being in the room. He that. Dude just genuinely loves hockey. I think he'd play as long as an NHL team would have him, which who knows how long that would take. It'd certainly be past this year. I mean, there are, he's he's better than a lot of backups in the league this year. Like he still has enough to to be an NHL goalie. The where I where I wonder is the family aspect of it, the off ice stuff. His family did not want to move from Pittsburgh. They loved it in Pittsburgh. That was their home um, outside of Quebec, and he had to move to Vegas. That was a a nervous thing. And then they fell in love with Vegas and his wife never wanted to leave Vegas and they wanted to be there forever. And then he has to uproot them and go to Chicago. And then you go straight from Chicago to went to Minnesota. And now is he going to have to move them again? And I know he's kind of voiced the concerns of having to move them again, if, if that were to happen. So I think, I think if anything, it's more the, 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 the life balance, the, the work life balance for Marc-Andre Fleury that would, that would end up being the decision because I feel like if it just comes down to to the hockey, is he good enough to to be a goalie in the league now? You can argue is he good enough to be a starter? Maybe that day, maybe we're reaching that day. But in terms of being a guy that can be great for the room, he can be a good mentor to a young goalie like he's been for for Gustafson. He he has all he checks a lot of boxes for a team looking for a backup goalie. So um I, I don't know the answer to that. It's gonna be interesting to see. Um for for our sake, for entertainment's sake, I hope he plays as long as he can. Got a, a, a way too early in the season goalie question for you here. And most goalies have only played two games, maybe the odd one, three, whatever. It's it's early. But I'm gonna read off a list of these are the these are goalies that right now, after a couple of starts, all have sub 900 save percentages. And I'm gonna read off the list. You tell me which is the one goalie you're like, oh, okay. I'm I'm worried that this guy might be sub 900 for a while and this is a situation to monitor all right so following goalies all sub 900 uh Jonas Johansson in Tampa and that's I mean that's a that's a huge story but Jonas Johansson Devin Levi in Buffalo is at 893 
Vitek Vanacek in New Jersey, 892. Sergey Bobrovsky, 888. UC Saros, 887. A couple of interesting ones here. Uh, Connor Hellebuck is 843. Freddie Anderson's 855. Ilya Samsonov is 839. And Stuart Skinner is 750. Yeah, we, we went below 800 on that one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm very concerned. Whenever whenever the save percentage starts with a seven, my concern level is high at all times. Um, that You're never not going to be concerned with the 700 save percentage. Um, yeah. Skinner, I'm very concerned with. I, I, I am concerned with Edmonton's goaltending big time. Um, as far as the studs go, Hellebuck, Saros, Samsonov, for me, no concern. Um, it's early in the season. Sometimes the timing you have isn't Sam, right. You have Samsonov in that heavyweight class I, well uh, okay in terms of save percentage i don't think samsonov is an elite goalie but i think he plays behind a really good team and i think he's a very good goalie i'm not concerned with him gotcha uh, you're you're right i i probably shouldn't have lumped him in with hellebuck and 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 uc saros because they're yeah. they're elite yeah. samsonov is not elite but i think he's in a great situation i compare samsonov to aiden hill in vegas I think they both play in great situations that allow them to be statistically very good goalies. Um, whereas if you were to put Aiden Hill or, or Samsonov in UC Saros's spot, I don't know if they're going to carry the Predators the way he is. So, so I think more about his surroundings with Samsonov, but I'm not, I'm not overly concerned with him um, early on. I think Bobrovsky, I've, you're already seeing on Twitter, oh, he turned into a pumpkin. You're already seeing that. I, I'm willing, because of his track record and because he was so good in the playoffs, I'm going to give him a little a little more leeway. Um, man, can you read those off again? There was yes, one guy uh, that really caught my Johan, Devin Levi, Vanitzek. Was it one of those guys? So so Levi is an interesting one because yeah. I talking with goalie coaches – uh, this offseason, I talked with a million guys that, that work in the goaltending, whether it's for teams or whether it's just personal goalie coaches. And there is some concern that they are rushing Levi quickly. Mm. I mean, like they they have accelerated the timeline for him because he was so impressive at the end of last season. Like when they threw him into those games last season, it was kind of a, well, let's see what we got. This guy's never played pro. Let's like, let's, let's see what we have. And then he's so good that you skip the A, the year of AHL development. Most goalies get a year in the AHL. And I think that there is a little bit of concern that they're putting a lot on his plate very quickly um, and, and just kind of saying he's the guy and, and he's given them reasons to, he's been very good. And I'm not here saying Devin Levi shouldn't be the starter. I think he should be. And I still am very optimistic for him, but I'm just saying there is reason to be a little bit concerned and it's something to watch is a guy that young, ready to be the guy on a team that has high expectations, right? The Buffalo Sabres, if, if they miss the playoffs this year, that's a disappointment. This, this team has um, higher expectations than they've had in a while. So it's a little bit concerning for me. And then the other one, Johansson in Tampa Bay. So far, we're what, a week and a half into the season. My vote for Hart Trophy, I think right now, the most valuable player in the NHL is uh, Andre Vasilevsky. <laughs> because the Tampa Bay Lightning have gone from a powerhouse to just completely falling apart the moment this guy isn't on the ice. And yes, it's early and, and we'll see. I, I think Tampa's going to be fine, but they have been shockingly shaky to start this season without that guy that has been anchoring them to all these all these playoff runs uh in that i'll say this uh if you're if you're comparing buffalo and tampa bay here 
Tampa Bay, I know they have the players in front, but it's not great that they're looking shaky. The salary cap picture for them, not looking great. So it's not like they could put themselves in a situation where they could get a higher quality player to, to kind of hold down the fort until, until Vasilevsky comes back. If you're Buffalo, you made me think about something here. Buffalo, uh, according to Cap Friendly, they've got almost 8.9 mil in cap yeah, space. A lot of room. Now, and I, so if Devin Levi is not the guy and, you know, maybe they need a stopgap, what's stopping the Buffalo Sabres who want to make the playoffs from making a trade with, with somebody that has maybe three goalies or, or someone that's looking to offload a goaltending piece and, and can accommodate that salary. That, that, that's actually a really interesting point. And I think a lot of teams, uh, and I can hear whatever Calgary Flames fans are watching right now being like, Hey, Hey, we want Dustin Wolf to play. What about Dan? You, you hear what I'm, you get what I'm saying here. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's a really interesting situation you pointed out. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is they, the, the Sabres, they they have two guys that they like in Eric Comrie and, and Uko Pekalukonen. Like they they have guys that can maybe maybe that's the plan is let's see if those guys can be one of those guys can be the stopgap because there aren't many teams holding three goalies. If a team's holding three goalies, it usually tells you they're really high on on those goalies because they think that they're gonna get claimed if they if they were to waive them. So the fact that Buffalo is still holding uh, UPL and Comrie tells me that they 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 like those guys and maybe they're giving them the first shot. Like that could be the plan behind the scenes, right? Let's see if if one of these guys that we already have can can roll with Levi and be that guy. And if not, we've got the cap space to to fix that problem. Um, one other thing I'll follow up on here. Uh, one goalie we have not had to worry about to start the season is Igor Shosturkin, uh with the New York Rangers. Uh, we're looking at save percentages here. He's at a 904 to start the year with a 238 goals against average. He's looked pretty good to start. What have been your impressions of Igor? Yeah, I've watched a lot of him this season. He he had the one bad game, um, and that's why it's at, at nine whatever. It would be at like 970 if it wasn't for that game where he gave up five goals on like 26 shots. He's been really good, but What's really impressed me about him, and I don't know if this is just the situation, like coincidence, the situation has has asked for it, or maybe it's Peter Laviolette's system is asking him to use his puck handling skills a little more. But watching the Rangers play, I have been blown away by how good Igor Shosturkin is with the puck on his stick. And I'm talking about the routine plays where you're going back behind the net, you're stopping the puck, and you're getting it into a good spot. And those are the simple plays that aren't going to make the highlight reel. But if you do that consistently all game, you spend a lot less time defending and a lot less time with the puck in your zone. He's been good at that. And then he's had the flashy plays where he's hitting guys with stretch passes. I'm telling you, Igor Shosturkin may have a better stretch pass than half the defensemen in the NHL. It's <laughs> unreal. The, the vision he's got, he's finding guys. I, the other night, he, had, he set up three odd man rushes. With, from his stick to the odd man rush going the other way, I've noticed a couple times that the Rangers will be on the power play and the puck will get sent the length of the ice and you'll see Adam Fox or Panarin, whoever the, the zone entry guy is, will be coming back to get it. Shesterkin just skates over, grabs the puck, and fires it to the offensive blue line to hit a guy in stride, and suddenly they're back attacking on the power play. It's something I'm going to keep an eye on. I don't know if it's, like I said, it could be LaViolette is asking him to do it more. Maybe the circumstances have just fallen right. You, you always hear like the puck is following a guy. Maybe he, maybe the the it's just been a unique run of games where he's had room to to use that stick, but man, his, it's a weapon when he is passing the puck, the way he is back there, it is a weapon and it's catching teams off guard teams dump the puck and they go to make a change thinking we have plenty of time. 
And so the defenseman has to go all the way back to get that. And suddenly the goalie's firing it up the ice and the other team's attacking you before you can get your guys on the ice. He's uh, to me, he's like Marty Turco, Marty Brodeur, old school handles it uh, as well, as well as those guys. Okay. Before we let you go, I put out the call to the listeners and the viewers, because we also are streaming this live. Let's get some suggestions here. So Michael says crease correspondent. I like it. I like it. We're going to go with it again. The CC and, um, uh, is coming up here again. The alliteration from uh, Reddy Edgemont is the crease connoisseur. Now, what do you like better? Crease correspondent, crease connoisseur. Ah, man. I, connoisseur sounds just yeah, European. Yeah, it's a little classy. I like it. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Classy. yeah. <laughs> uh, again, but oh, Reddy, Reddy Edgemont is uh, coming in with more. The net knower. That that one might be a little too cocky for me. I, I feel I feel like it's it's there's a lot of assumption there. <laughs> the net knower, net knower. Okay, so those are some of the early early suggestions here. But we're asking our, our 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 listeners to to hit us up, the Off athletic the hockey party. show at gmail.com. Give us a nickname for our resident goalie expert slash goalie guru slash crease correspondent slash crease connoisseur slash uh, net knower. That's it. Just we're, we're, we're making it as difficult as possible on you for when you introduce me to the show. Yeah, I love it. Hey, listen, um, have a great week and, uh, and we'll get you again uh, at, at some point next week on the Athletic Hockey Show. Always fun. Thanks for having me, guys. There he goes, Jesse Granger. Not, never a bad day for that guy. Imagine you live in Vegas. Temperatures, it's always warm. Your team's always winning. Like, you get all, like, just, that guy's never had a bad day covering the, the NHL. Nah, I, it, I definitely like, never really a boring time. Like, I remember, yeah. I remember uh, when I was still in Montreal, there was a Vegas-Montreal game. And Granger was covering the team when they were playing short. They're playing with like five defensemen and like their power play wasn't doing all that well. So, of course, they found a way to play well and their power play woke up that night. And I think they won that game. And I remember last season being in Vegas, uh, Vegas and, and the Flames playing a game. And I remember talking to Jesse being like, hmm, what do you think of this Vegas team? And Jesse, you know, pretty cautious about it. He thought there was some. There were some slip-ups in the game, and and he wasn't sure about that team. But I believe he's brought it up at a previous instance where uh, once you see Mark Stone being reinserted into that lineup and being 100% healthy, it's a different team. They are a different beast. And the fact that they're still playing relatively healthy, at least at forward, uh, even though on, and, and now at least on defense, even if they're not 100% there, some of those younger players have been able to, to make up the difference. That's a really strong team. and And I felt that way from... From when the confetti was falling uh, and everyone was celebrating the Stanley Cup win, and I'm I know I'm part of the problem because I I, I was one of those people who thought Edmonton would go to the Cup final. Uh, we're, we've been sleeping on the on the Vegas Golden Knights to repeat as a Cup champion, and I think they have what it's what it takes. If everyone stays healthy, they could do this again. We mentioned earlier this week that a combination of coaches. It was uh, Lindy Ruff, bench Timo Meyer. Sheldon mm -hmm. Keefe called out his star players. Welcome to the party, Rick Tockett. Uh, Rick Tockett not happy with his team after a shutout loss to Carter Hart and the Flyers. Uh, basically says, uh, I love this quote. Quote, who are we to think we're anybody? You got to love that, right? <laughs> who are we to think we're anybody? I can't even pick one guy that played well except for Demko. He was unreal. 
But who Jeez. are we to think we're anybody? Gives me real. Remember Dennis Green vibes? Yeah. The, the Bears are who we thought they were. Who are we let them to off think the we're anybody? Yeah. You want to crown one of the them? greatest rants of all time? You want to crown the crown their ass? Yeah. But we let them off the hook. But they are who we thought they were. We That's let them one off of the, the hook. greatest. It's one of the greatest. Like, you know what's funny, actually? So, Dennis Green has one of the greatest post coach, like post game coach rants of all time. And we've listed off Lindy Ruff, who, you know, he's given off good quotes too. You might remember the uh, no goal walk off no after uh, the Sabres. Yeah. Uh, Sheldon Keefe, you know, he, he's done this before. Rick Tockett, for sure. You know, one guy who is not in that list yet, and, and his team. Basically, his team put on a performance that led to Rick Tockett saying what he's saying. But I'm really, it's really funny that John Tortorella is not on this list. John Tortorella, we have not heard John Tortorella go scorched earth on his team yet. All these other coaches have started to do that, but we are yet to see John. I mean, unless I've missed something, but John Tortorella has not gone scorched earth on the Philadelphia Flyers yet. It's early, right? It's very it's early. early, but it's funny that three other coaches have gone down that road and Tort still hasn't had to use that button yet. But isn't it funny? Like with Tuckett, I mean, Vancouver came out of the gates and won their first two games in, well, the first game for sure in convincing fashion, but they beat the Edmonton Oilers in two games. And a lot of people were like, hey, 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 look at the Canucks. And I don't, was this an overreaction by Tuckett? Like it's one game. Like they're off to a pretty good start. No, I, I, I get that. Uh, I guess I have to look at the game a little bit more closely. But if you feel your player's effort isn't there, then you kind of have to set that tone, right? That probably makes it even more disappointing uh, considering the fact that they had that start against a cup contending team in the Edmonton Oilers, and then they wet the bed against the Philadelphia Flyers, a team that's supposed to be tanking for the foreseeable future. They're not supposed to be good. Vancouver's in that mushy middle where they want to they want to compete for a playoff spot. So if you have the high and then you can't beat the teams below you, like that's not that's not great either. Like I, I, like, I know the other day we were talking about it. I still feel that we're not at a point where we should really be up in arms and, 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 and losing our minds over coaches calling out their players. But I could at least admit that for Rick in this situation, I can understand where he's coming from with how he's talking about his players here. And I don't think he did it in a necessarily disparaging, malicious way either. Like some players, were, like they want their coaches tough and fair. And I think Rick was being tough and fair in that situation. Like that's their first loss of the year, right? Like, like to me, I, I know they gave up what forty-two shots, right? They get they got outshot by a healthy margin. Um, they gave up an early goal and then they never scored. So I get it, but I, I just wonder if, like, if you're the Canucks, you're like, wow, like, guy, we're two and one. Like, I mean, it's early, right? Those guys know it too. They those guys definitely know that it's early as well, right? So yeah, I don't know. I I, I think he could have got a lot worse. At least he, at least, at least he gave praise to Thatcher Demko who. Literally, how many days ago couldn't even finish a game because he was had the oh. flu and he was dehydrated. And he threw up in his helmet. His own mask. Oh man. Ugh. Sorry to everyone I, watching eating lunch while watching us. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, this Ryan Reeves, Corey Perry stuff is interesting. Uh yeah. Ryan Reeves, and I, I want to make sure I get the quote here. Um, yeah, I got I got the quote here. So again. These guys played each other the other day, Toronto, Chicago. And, and now they're with different teams, right? Reeves and Perry on, on new teams this year. Uh, Ryan Reeves and Corey Perry, quote, I never really liked him, to be honest. We always seem to run into each other. We play against each other, but not a lot of love for that guy. 
just the way he runs his mouth, I don't know. He kind of acts tough, but he's not tough. I, 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 any opportunity where Revo can be the heel that he is and just, you know, be this personality and give us these good quotes, I am all for it. The league needs it. We, we need something like that. So I don't have a problem with him saying what he said about Corey Perry. It was really entertaining to kind of see those two go at it in that Toronto Chicago game. They were really chirping. They really do not like each other. You know, some a reporter asked, I don't know, I don't know who it was that asked the follow-up to Reeves after he did that rant. They're like, when did this animosity start between the two of you? You know, Ryan Reeves' answer was, quote, the first day I met him on the ice. I mean, Corey <laughs> Perry, Corey Perry is the worm for a reason. And if you are a player like Ryan Reeves who will get into it with guys, and you'll you'll inevitably come across players who are, are going to try to defuse you. And and Corey Perry is a very annoying, annoying player to deal with. So I'm not surprised that Ryan Reeves from day one uh, felt that way. How many guys have played against Corey Perry and have liked the guy? I, I mean, there are, I mean, it's one thing if you've ever had him as a teammate, like later on in your career and it's like, Oh, you yeah. know what? He was good in that room or whatever. How many guys have played against Corey Perry and have said, you know, I actually like play against Corey. He's a great guy. We have nice little chats in the middle of in, in, during intermissions, not intermissions, but during breaks in play. And and he's actually, you know, he's he play he plays hard, but he's a nice guy. Like how many times do you hear that? No. That's not something you hear about Corey Perry. Zero percent. Okay, Corey Perry. What does your gut tell you? If I if I utter the phrase Corey Perry Hall of Famer, what do you say? Um, isn't he a triple gold club member? Uh, he's triple this gold club member. He's a heart trophy yeah, he, winner. He's in. Okay, he got it because he had because I know he's a Stanley Cup. I know he has an Olympic gold medal. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he's probably won a world championship somewhere. Uh, heart trophy that definitely helps his case. Uh, the Stanley Cup final appearances. Uh, the fact that he's been able to play as long as he has, I'll, I'll, I'm willing to add that as a point too. Does he have over a thousand points? I'm sure he does. Uh, to me, he has. His resume doesn't for for me, my first thinking is yes. And I I'm listing off stuff that I think would be in his favor. And I don't have questions about whether or not he should 50, be in the Hall of Fame. Like I mean, season, right? Yeah. And Stanley Cup, a heart trophy, and 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 Olympic gold where he was a key member. And like like he checks a lot of the boss of boxes, right? There was a time when Corey Perry was among the 50 best players in the world. I yeah. I think that's I think that's sufficient. I think that's that's more than fine. I, yeah, look, I'm just, I have the whole list in front of me here. Two-time Olympic gold medalist, world championship, uh, Canada, the World Cup. You remember he won? He was on that 2016 team, and of course, we all remember the 2005 World Junior Team. Uh, like, okay, it's actually not a thousand points yet. Uh, I wasn't sure if he was at a thousand points yet. He's not there yet. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, his resume, at least from an accolade standpoint, uh, the, the the his play, I I have a hard I, time not thinking of him as a as a as a as a Hall of Famer, right? Four time you know, All Star, Rocket Richard Trophy winner, first team All Star twice. Yeah, why wouldn't he be in? Yeah, I I think if you look at the history of the Hard Trophy. Everybody who's ever won the Hart Trophy is essentially in the Hall of Fame 
with the exception of Jose Theodore. I'm talking about guys that are like they've retired and and that window. I think Jose Theodore might be the only one of the modern era, and he's not getting in. Uh, the next, the other one that's going to be interesting outside of Corey Perry will be Taylor Hall. That's exactly Taylor Hall what I was won an MVP with the Devils, and boy, he would pro- Taylor Hall would probably need you know five more productive, really productive seasons and a Stanley Cup, and then maybe we could have that conversation. Maybe, but he's not there. Uh, but I, I think Perry. Perry's ahead of, of of those guys, you know. Yeah, I think I think just Perry's just done more, even if he hasn't uh, reached that a thousand point mark, which some people consider as a that's obviously a check mark in terms of reaching the Hockey Hall of Fame. Still surprised that Perry has not reached that mark. I'm generally surprised at that. But like, well, I, but what's I, he I at though? He's at like 800, and I just literally just had the number in front of me here. So he won't uh, get to he, he may not get to a thousand. So 883 saying. points, but that's not accounting for however many points he has to this point right now. I just listed out off of Wikipedia. No. I can find you a more accurate number. No. 887. But he has over yeah. 400 NHL goals, which is still really good. Yeah, 400 goals is good. And, and he wasn't really in a, it, it, it was Getzloff who was the guy. Yeah, um, he was the point that, guy. That did that. Hey, He's real quick, let's just want to wrap up the show. Let's read this email from Bradley in Cincinnati. A reminder, you can always hit us up on Email at the athletic hockey show at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail too. We love to hear your voice. 845-445-8459. Bradley in Cincinnati writes in via email. Everybody talks a big game about not changing their favorite team. If their kid made it to the NHL, but I'll tell you what, once they get introduced to the locker room, they meet Brad Marchand or Leon Dreisaitl or whoever, they would become a fan immediately. I'd be a fan Bradley of Bradley in Cincinnati. I'd be a fan of the player. I have no problem being a fan of the player. If I got to meet Brad Marchand and he ended up being a good dude, I would have no problem saying he's a good dude and I'd root for him on the ice. Leon Dreisaitl, I've sung his praises before. And if he's a good dude and he's playing with my kid, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't have yeah. to be a fan of your team. What's the point? What, like, what, what was the, what, like, talking a big game, I don't see what the issue is. I, I'm allowed to like people. I'm allowed to look at competitors from other outlets and not necessarily be all like, oh, hey, I like this outlet. What's up with that? Or maybe that's a I, bit of a weird one there. I don't know. That is weird. Like, maybe it is. I don't know. Mm, maybe. You know what? That's fair. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. That's a bit okay. of a dangerous, slippery slope there. That's fine. That's slope. I'll, I, I, concede, I concede that point. Fine. Okay. That's all. I'm just going to. My big takeaway is you trying to. You're looking into the camera, speaking into the microphone. I'm allowed to like people. Yeah. That's my takeaway. I like I'm allowed people. to like people. Why I like my like co-hosts. That? I like yeah. my producer. I like all the shows I get to work on. I like my editors. I like I like all the I like a lot of people, man. Why'd you why'd you go Johnny High Voice there? I like everyone I work with. Yeah. That's just that's just how my voice is. Sometimes. <laughs> Love it. All right, that's it for us. Uh, we, you know, we 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 did get a uh, a comment into the uh, into the show from Jason, who says, "Whoa, guys, three days in a row, y'all do get a day off the podcast, right?" Yeah, yeah we Jason, do. we do. We get Thursdays and Fridays off. We hand it over. We we're gonna hand the baton. Is it a baton? What are we handing off here? I guess it's a baton. Uh, to- maybe a podcast. Maybe the podcast mic in this case, right? Yeah, podcast mic. Yeah, that's better than a baton. Uh, Haley Salvian, Max Boltman, Sean Gentilly will drop by the Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show roundtable format. Uh, that's coming your way 
on Thursday. They'll recap everything that went down on a pretty quiet night. Only a couple of games in the NHL on Wednesday, but uh, lots of things to talk about. Uh, Salvian, Boltman, Gentili, they'll uh, they'll have your show coming up on Thursday. We want to thank everybody for listening to this Wednesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating and review. We would appreciate that. That does it for the Wednesday show. Um, boy, I hope uh, when, we, when we get back at it on Monday, there's going to be so much more to talk about. But hey, man, have a great uh, four or five days, and uh, and we'll see you next uh, next Monday. Sounds good. Peace. <laughs>